Hey guys, this is Gloria Buckman Youngson, and you're listening to the Musings Over Coffee podcast. A short, candid, no fuss podcast for creative professionals where we're talking business, leadership, and personal development. Guys, so today I am beyond excited to be having a conversation with one of my dearest friends, Sarah Michelle Mills. Sarah is my Bookshare BFF and also one of the people who have inspired me to start the Musings Over Coffee podcast. I feel like I've known Sarah all of my life. She's one of the most thoughtful and caring people I have ever met. Sarah is not only accomplished professionally, she's also super cool. (laughs) Now, some of the coolest things about Sarah is that she has won an Office Fashionista Award. You know, I had never prior to meeting Sarah heard about this. She has won an Office Fashionista Award. She practices yoga. She's as fit as a fiddle. She's a bookworm. And she works with one of the best companies in Ghana's oil and energy industries. Okay, so I'm going to allow Sarah to tell us a bit about herself, delve into her background, into who she is. Over to you, Sarah. Thank you so much, Gloria. What a wonderful introduction. Like I was saying to you earlier before we started the recording, I didn't realize how vain I was until you said, please come on to the podcast. I've been super excited since. So thank you so much for the opportunity to connect and to just chat, like you said. My name is Sarah Michelle Mills. I work with one of the world's oldest brands. I work with General Electric. I work as a strategy um, and marketing professional, which means that I design and execute strategy and customer-focused development initiatives that reinforce GE as a provider of solutions to some of Africa's biggest problems. My background and actually how I met Gloria was that I studied at Ashanti University and I also worked there for three years. It was during that time that I met Gloria's younger brother, Eben, he was one of my interns, a young man I'm absolutely proud of. To the beginnings of Planet, I think I had Creevy too, because he was from selecting of the logo and then the colors, we did all of that in a small office in Ashesi in Laboni. Prior to Ashesi, I guess I need to talk about my family since Gloria, so I thought I'll skip that. I won the parents' lottery. I have Amazing parents. My dad is an engineer. My mother is a businesswoman. They're two completely different people. So very early on in life, I learned about the value of respecting other people's opinions while also being open to sharing yours because they could hardly ever agree on anything. Both of them come from really large families. And my dad says they were often hungry and their shoes were often tight. So both of them decided that they wanted a small family. And after 10 years, my brother kept asking for a sister and they eventually gave and then I came along. So I always say that I'm only here because my brother asked for me to be born and we have a really good relationship. One of the things I learned growing up, and my parents taught me the value of discipline, hard work and compassion. Growing up, I did everything. I took music, art lessons, even when I was studying for the BCE, the standardized test that takes me into secondary school. I took extra lessons in trees because I wanted a perfect score. That's how hardcore it was. And then the funny part about that is that I still didn't get a perfect score. So sometimes you do your very best, but things don't work out like you had planned. I grew up in Tema, went to Great Science in Paul School. I went to Greek Girls where I was president of the student council and the writers and debaters club. From there, I ended up at a Shetty. Amazing four years of my life. Stayed on, 
that the alumni relations office and my work contributed to raising money for phase one of the Brikutu campus. I'm really proud of how gorgeous that campus turned out to be. It took a lot of blood, sweat and tears to bring that project to life. It's pretty incredible. After three years in the alumni office, I moved on to the British High Commission. This job was advertising the papers, and the whole week that it was advertised, I had over 16 of my friends call me to say, your next job is in the paper, so I applied. And the three rounds of interviews got the job, and that's why I met Gifty Bingley, one of my favorite superhero women. <laughs> and we worked in the communications and political team, did some pretty cool work. And then I moved on after two and a half years to... Vodafone Ghana, where I work with the brands and communications, was lucky enough to work under the leadership of Uche Ofodile, another brilliant mind and fierce woman. And from Vodafone, I went to business school. I studied at Hall's Dubai in Shanghai. I had an incredible one year, had a complete learning revolution. I also had a change in perspective because it was the first time I'd lived outside of Ghana for longer than six months. And Dubai is a it's a melting pot of different cultures. So you mm-hmm. think that you're open-minded, so you have to work with a bunch of different people from different places, right? <laughs> and yeah. incredible one year as well. And then I came back to Ghana, spent a year looking for a job, only because when I was in business school, I did get a job halfway through the program, but two weeks to graduation, as life always happens, um, my offer was taken back because the company was hit with cost-cut out, right? Where, we're losing wow. people, they're going to have to let people go and then they couldn't be hiring somebody else. So all of a sudden, my perfect plan of coming back home for a month or two, packing up and going off to somewhere else in Africa didn't work out. And I took it took me a year to find something that actually worked for me. So um, my mother says that I left Ghana as a sweet young daughter, came back and every day was an Arab spring because I just <laughs> <laughs> completely my different goodness. young woman. I had struggled that one year. I had come into my own. I was using my voice a lot more often. I wasn't just taking whatever people said to me. And I had a, I had a plan for what I wanted my life to be. It was around that time also that I started to think about different lifestyle choices. What am I doing? What am I putting in my body? Um, how often am I exercising? I was also turning 30 and that did, I think that also did something to me. So it wasn't just about my next stage in their career, but it was also the type of woman I wanted to be. If I ever became a mother, what did I want my daughter to say about me? I spent a whole year thinking about those things mm-hmm. and finally got this amazing job with the General Electric Company. I've been working here for almost three years. I feel this is the most accomplished I've ever been. And yeah, I talk a lot, Gloria, and you've been very patient, <laughs> <laughs> letting me go on and on and on. So I don't know if I answered your question the way you wanted it, but... <laughs> you absolutely have answered the question. And I have I have been stopping myself from laughing out loud throughout this intro because, you know, you you have such an interesting life. And it's incredible that, you know, all of the spaces that you have been and some of the people that um, inspire you are the same people that inspire me. So you guys probably don't know this, but Planet Ghana's logo was built by an Ashesi student. His name is Ebenezer, and he happens to be my younger brother. And the reason why Ebenezer um, put together the Planet Ghana logo is because we didn't have any money. (laughs) We didn't have any money to hire any graphic designer, anything like that. And since then, after spending time in Ashesi's campus, 
um, at the time, which was a small, a really relatively small campus in Laboni, have become fascinated by the entire Asheti story. And I feel so proud every time we go into Asheti to work in Asheti, I feel like I am a part of this brand somehow. I want to be a part of it. You know? It, <laughs> That's it's exciting. Asheti yeah. has done something to my brother. Every day I look at him and I am so proud of what he has become. But even more so, I am so proud of some of the people that I have met as a result of, you know, associating with Asheti in this way. And yeah. one of them is you, Sarah. You you are incredible. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you right back. You know, you were talking about Uche earlier. Uche is um, one of our clients. So yeah. We yes. planned Uche's wedding, and it's one of yes, the weddings that... Yes, I remember that, Uche's private ceremony. <laughs> yes, and it's one of the weddings that I, till today, totally loved. And Gifty, of course, I love Gifty as well. So, yes, it's very obvious why we are um, very much alike. <laughs> and well, the first podcast interviewee, so just so everybody knows, I was the first person to come on this. <laughs> you are the first person, and there couldn't be anyone else, because you always told me, Gloria, you're going to have to document your experiences somehow. You you must write a book, you know. And eventually, I discovered podcasts last year. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do this for Sarah. And I'm going to do this for <laughs> Yom, um, one of my brides who introduced me to podcasts last year. Amazing woman also. Yes. Yes. But you you have such an accomplished life. And you're very kind. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> And what I want to ask is, for me, I feel that a lot of successful people are very disciplined and intentional about what they do with not just their time, but what they fill their spaces with and the people they attract um, into their circles. Do you want to tell me a bit more about some of the habits that you feel have contributed specifically to your success as in, you know, some of your morning routines, evening routines? Excellent. That's a very good question, Gloria. The world's most successful people are deliberate. They don't leave anything to chance, whether mm-hmm. it's when they have a particular meeting or when they wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And over the last 18 months, I've been listening. I think I must have listened to over 732 podcast episodes. Sort of been obsessed with how successful people become successful. Because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, my dad will always say, you have to create the life you want. There are certain things you can do to create the life you want. And the people I've listened to or interviews I've heard all have specific routines. Because you can't leave anything to willpower. Discipline is deliberate practice of the things that you don't like to do, right? Yes. And yes. it comes to routines in place, then you basically setting yourself up for failure. So I wake up at 4 a.m. seven days a week. The week I find out that when I do just the first five days because it's the weekend, then everything is messed up. So I start wow. my 4 a.m. seven days a week. The first thing I do is I drink water because we get dehydrated when we when we sleep. Then I lay my bed. I've been laying my bed every day for as long as I can remember because my, my father mentioned to me that that's the first win of the day. If you can, mm-hmm. it's the one thing that you can control because you're going to go out there into the world and you're going to be hit by all sorts of things. But at least you remember that you did this one thing that is going to go mm-hmm. And it, it may be, it may seem like a really small thing, but I like walking into my room and seeing everything laid out properly. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if you, if you can, if you can think clearly, it's because of what your environment looks like, right? So I lay my bed. Then I'll brush my teeth, cleanse my skin, and then sometimes I'll lather on a mask so that I don't fall back asleep. <laughs> and then, 
<laughs> and then I'll read a spiritual text and meditate for 30 minutes, depending on what day it is. I interchange between yoga and a quick hit workout. I like planks, squats, and lunges. And mm. I do that for about 30 minutes. That usually takes me to a 5, 10, 5, 15. If I don't get any interruptions from my parents, I still live with my parents. Mm. And then I'll take a shower. I'll choose an outfit. I pre-plan my wardrobe the week ahead based on what's going on. Because I don't want to have to spend in my morning mental energy trying to figure out what to wear. Right. <laughs> I'll create six outfits out of each day. One of them has to work for each day. And then I do that. And then I'll make a quick smoothie, check out on my check in on my parents, see if somebody needs anything, and then I head out. And then on my drive, I live on Spintex, it usually takes about an hour, 45 mm-hmm. minutes, an hour to get to work. And during that drive, I listen to a podcast. My favorites are the Tim Ferry Show. I like Success How I Did It from Business Insider. I like Optimal Living. I also like the Freakonomics Radio. They're doing a series on CEOs and how people become CEOs. You may want to look at that. <laughs> and then I get to work. When I get to work, prior, the day prior, like I was saying, I plan out my week. So I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. But I check in with my bosses. So my boss sits in Dubai and he's four hours ahead. And I know things come up. So you may have a plan, but I always check back in to make sure that we're still sticking to the plan. And we, we plan out our days and our weeks based on the quarter, right? What are the priorities for the quarter? And then what activities do you need to make sure that we hit the priorities? So it's very clear what is expected of everybody throughout the day. Because I work with people from different locations. We're getting on conference calls. I'm making time for focus work. I'm making time. I'm checking on colleagues. So that I'm not just this worker bee sitting at my desk the whole time. And I have to learn that the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) You don't come to work to just do the work, right? The relationships matter. Um, I block out time for focus work. I block out time for exercise. I take plank and squat break during the the day just to get my blood pumping and to get ideas, fresh ideas also because the work is hard. (laughs) Yeah. And then usually my day ends at about 6 p.m. if I have control over it. And then I I go and I exercise. Four days a week I exercise by the six. Andy studio right across the street from me in the one airport square building people mm-hmm. think that I only do yoga but I do yoga two times a week and then I also do a hip class we have a cardio kickboxing class and we have an African hip-hop dance class so I do four different things during the week and then at the weekends I do karate in the morning you're everything I want to be <laughs> It's hard work, though, and I keep yeah. getting reminded gently by my sister-in-law and all my friends who have kids that just enjoy because it won't always be like this. So yeah. I know that one, I probably will get into a different phase. My goal is to try to still do some of the things that I like. One of the reasons why I started doing yoga consistently about a year ago was because I wanted to sort of open up my hips. I feel like I'm carrying lifetimes of anxiety in my hips, right? <laughs> And so I can't get some of my karate kicks up. And it's, it's very difficult if you can't do that because then you can't get into the advanced. So yoga primarily was really selfish. It was making me a better karate cap. Like I need to go and do these poses, open up my hips, get rid of all of this anxiety and worry. But yoga, I know you can do. For, I know a 97-year-old that's doing yoga. Wow. So as you balance things out, you also have to think about what the future is going to look like. And you can do mm. yoga in a hotel room, in your room. You don't need to go to a studio. You don't need to go to a particular space, right? Once you master it. In the beginning, you need somebody to guide you to make sure that the poses are right so you don't injure yourself. 
And so that's the reason why I took up yoga. But primarily it was really karate and then everything else sort of make me stronger so I can I can do um, better karate and technique. So typically my evening, if I go to the gym, it's six to seven and I may chat with my friend Andrina who runs the studio. She, she's a nutritionist. She, we call her the body shaper. She hosts people in shape. <laughs> and excellent woman, really funny, really um, pleasant personality, always willing to help. So I do that and drive back home. If I don't have any other engagements, usually I'm home by nine, checking on my parents. I was being told that I come in and I ask if anybody needs me to help them with anything. If they don't, then I sort of leave. But these days I'll sit around the bed and listen to what happened in a particular telenovela and act interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then go and that's it. <laughs> and then go and it's really funny how they get upset about that. And I keep thinking, but you know that it's just a telenovela. And I get told of where people get really passionate about these telenovelas. <laughs> So then after I check in, I go out, really prepare my gym bag for the next day, mm. take a shower, and then I start to wind down. And I usually do a gratitude journal entry. Mm. In the beginning, I used to do five things I was grateful for, but I found that it was getting very repetitive and I wasn't thinking about it properly. So now what I do is just try to summarize my day in one sentence. And mm. from a lot of the books or the spiritual texts that I read, I've learned that and even in life, right, you only get the blessings of the universe or the world or God coming to you when you appreciate what you have. So gratitude mm-hmm. journaling for me is a way to sort of center myself and also remind myself of how far I've come. And I'm very deliberate about I don't need anything to chance, even who my friends are, who I bring in my space. So that would be my morning and evening routines. Most times I try to, if I can, in a successful day, I'm in bed by 10. But most times <laughs> usually about 11 and okay. then I wake up at the same time the following day. Wow. I, I have I have been dreaming about the possibility of waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning every day. <laughs> totally. Start whatever time you're waking up now. Start by waking up 15 minutes earlier. We see how you feel. It has to be. I always like to start to feel like work, then you don't want to do it, right? So right. start where you are. Just do it in bits and then eventually get to your ideal. It took me a while to get to 4 a.m. And I realized that so slow. I'm such slow as I have all these different things that need to happen before I walk out of the house. I need, I realize I need at least 90 minutes to get things done. So it's like, okay, then I'll wake up at four. So I don't have to deal with the trotter drivers and be anxious by the time I'm at work. So that's why I do 4 a.m. But if you, let's say you live in cantonments and your office can stand big high, you probably may not want to wake up at four. But waking up early, I feel like it gives you a head, a head start to the day. Everybody's still asleep and you're sort of like, I'm ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Subconsciously, it gives you a bit of an edge. So that's the other reason why 4 a.m. wait. So what's your weekend like? Do you do you specifically block out time in, in your weekends to practice self-care? Do you hang out anywhere? What, what's your weekend like? I do that. Um, so at the weekends, I'm still up at 4 a.m. I'll mm. prep. I'll do the same thing. So water, math, meditation. Mm. Saturday, Sunday, because I do I do karate. So I practice my kicks and my dances. And then I drive to my dojo, which is in um, it's in Cantonment. And I practice with my sensei for two hours. And depending on how I'm feeling, if I'm too tired, then I drive back home or I do errands. So either make bank payment, um, go buy vegetables or whatever it is. And then 
and come back home. I block out time connecting my niece and nephew. They live about 15 minutes from us. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I take my niece to do her hair. This is usually on Saturday. If she doesn't have to do her hair, then do a play date or something. And then, so usually by by 3 or 4 p.m., I'm done with everybody's issues or everything else that I need to do for everybody else. And then I may hang out with my friend or people who are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when, when do you find time in between all of this to sit down and read? Because I realize that you read a lot of books. I do read a lot of books. One of the things I didn't mention is that evening routine. And when I come back after I do my gratitude journaling, depending on what book I'm reading, I like to do both the physical books and the audio books so I can highlight. I'm a tactile learner. I need to fold pages and highlight and things mm-hmm. like that. So when, when I'm done with the gratitude journaling, depending on what book I'm reading, I try to read a chapter of it. That's all I'm trying to do, not the whole thing, just a chapter every day. And that's how I get through it. And if I can't do if I can't do that during the week and I play catch up on Saturday, Sundays I spend a lot time just resting, preparing for, I call it my monk day. The only <laughs> hardcore thing I do on Sunday is karate and then chair. Mm-hmm. And then it's usually also really short. I don't, I feel like if I stay at church for longer than one hour, like even God is going to be upset. So <laughs> I do one hour and then I'm back and laundry, etc. on Saturday. But Sundays are monk days for me. And it's also when I used to have really bad skin growing up. Mm-hmm. So on Sundays, I do my skincare routine. So I'll do my at-home facial. I will use my demo abrasion tool, <laughs> see my face, put on a mask, all the hardcore stuff, and then I just rest, take a long nap. Sometimes I may go see a movie, have dinner with a friend or my, my favorite cousin, Kiki, um, and then just prepare for the day. But it really has to get me out of my house on Sunday, unless it's very, very important, mm. because that's my rest day. I can do everything. I plan everything else around everybody during the week or on Saturday, but Sunday I take time to read and then catch up on reading if I haven't done it. But because the ride to work and back is so long, that's when I do, going to work, I do my podcast. Coming back home, that's when I may do an audiobook. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. I, I, I'm not even confused about it. Unless it's a book that I really, really want to get through quickly, like this book, I think I shared with you, The Millionaire Negro and The yeah. Tom Takeover. I couldn't wait to get in the car finished because I was thinking, this is such wisdom um, that should, we should know about it, but we really don't. So if you have somebody screaming at you and saying to you, get your acts together, maybe that's what we say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Yeah. Talking about books, um, I am a lover of books as well and I know that any book that Sarah tells me to read I'm going to read that book (laughs) and I owe you one I have that special book that we've been talking about for a long time yes 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 send it to you tomorrow. I'll tell you, come to you and drop it off because I realize the office is close to my home. So. You are simply amazing. <laughs> do you okay. guys, do you guys see how blessed I am to have Sarah in my life? Okay. But, but what are, what are your top three or top five books that you're willing to bet on that you feel that every woman leader should read or not just women leaders even, but everyone should take a moment to read? Ah, that's a really good one. I will start to with one of my favorite books of all time, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. It's an adaptation him. of him. Yes, it's an, an adaptation of the poet Rumi's poems, one of his poems about a young man that leaves home um, in chase of his dreams or his personal legend. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about how we need to be deliberate. Like, you can't just... I remember that one year that I spent at home trying to figure out my next steps. There was another website I spent a ton of time on at site 10 called makers.com. It chronicles mm-hmm. the stories of successful women in America. This is business women, it's women, it's all the women that you consider successful, right? So from Michelle Obama, Serena Williams, 
um, mm. Sarah Jessica Parker. And when you listen to their stories, you realize that people like that just don't happen. They always had like either a grandmother who was pushing them. They had somebody who took a particular interest in their life, exposing them to materials above their level, even before they could. And I tried to do that with my niece and my nephew. They sit in the car and they listen to podcast. Okay, so we may play a hip life song for my nephew because he's like mm. a so a personal clown. <laughs> um, but a lot of the time, <laughs> a lot of the time, we I'm exposing them to material they, they don't have. They, people their age are not listening to. So I know in some of the schools, they have to do like the weekend news. And mm. I was saying to my niece that it has to be from the Africa report because all her friends are going to be doing the daily graphic. So mm. she says that she goes to school and they're always asking her to read her report because it's from somewhere completely different. Um, so the alchemist is a good one because it talks about designing, again, going back to lifestyle design. What is your personal legend? What do you want to be remembered by? What do you want people to say about you when you're born? So everybody needs to read the alchemist. That's the first one. The second I would say is, I think his name is Simon Sinek. Um, mm. Simon Sinek, why? That everything, again, sort of going back to being deliberate about everything, right? What is your, I don't want, people throw purpose around a lot, so mm. I don't want to use purpose, but why do you exist? And sometimes I feel like people don't take enough time to think about those things. Um, so why will also, I think it starts with why, sorry, I'm getting it wrong. So the alchemist is the first one, dining or following your, defining what your personal legend is, how do you want to be remembered, and feeding into that will be starts with why. Why do you have this job? Why are you running this podcast? Why do you raise your kids the way you want? Excellent second book. The third is, what was the book that has my life? I think I'll go back to Millionaire Next Door. That book taught me a lot about personal finance, right? And mm-hmm. it, a lot of it is common sense. Remember when I was growing up, my father was, and even my mother, because she's a businesswoman, would say a woman's, a woman's independence is an economic one. I've been hearing this since I was nine. Mm-hmm. And how I interpreted that was, be able to buy whatever you want with your own money. But that's not what it is. It's <laughs> buy whatever you want with your own money, but also have money for a rainy day. Have your own mad money. Mm. Um, yeah. And don't be self-reliant. Like, don't have to depend because when you depend on people, that's when you, you tolerate, and I have to use, this is the only word I can use, that's when you tolerate bullshit, right? Mm. But if you can, if, you, if you're self-sufficient, whatever it is that you're in, and last week, Saturday, my friend and Saki invited me to this women mentoring walk at Lebanon, and I was paired with a medical doctor. I still don't understand how I was paired with a medical doctor, <laughs> which was a really amazing young woman. <laughs> and I'm saying to her, even no matter how much you earn. If you're earning, I keep thinking that for my first job at the I'll say really well. If I'd saved even just percent of everything that I was earning, mm. I would have a lot of money now. Because I came back from business completely broke, having to rebuild your resources from scratch. It's not fun when you also have student loans, right? Yeah. So I have a simple breakdown now. Mm. 50% of whatever I earn, not just from my salary, but if I'm doing consulting for somebody, whatever money is coming into my account, 50% of that goes my needs. And our needs are different. I live at home, but I pay rent. I have student loans, so that's a big one for me. Um, I have a very strict diet, so that's a, that's another one for me. So those three things will sort of fall into my needs, and I, I commit to developing skills and then buying books, so I have that. So those things fall in my needs bracket. Mm. That's 50% mm. of whatever my earning, my earning amount is. The 30% goes towards my saving, and then the 20 for needs. And then the needs also would include charity and all those different things, right? Um, so if you have, a, no matter how much you're earning, if you can save a little bit of that, that would be good. That's the one advice I think everybody, not just women, everybody should, everybody should take seriously because not being able to take care of yourself or the people you care about is only people to do all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I absolutely so, agree. So three books, right? The Alchemist, Sinex Y, and yes. the third one was 
the millionaire next door. Some other the people also make reference to the richest man in Babylon. I think it's, it's a similar, it's similar tenant. But I like the millionaire next door because it heavily data, data back. So they can, they've done, the doctors have done the research and I'm telling you how Americans do 1% mm. and live their lives and how they make purchasing decisions and how they're saving and where the money goes to. And, and I think that's what we want. Mm. That's what we want. I have, I have for a very long time since I was, since I was little, I think that is one of the disciplines that my dad <laughs> sort of drummed into our heads. And I'm, I'm very careful with money, but what I'm also is, is very independent when it comes to, comes to spending. And so I always struggle with this. When we went out at the earlier um, stages of when we were dating, this is like years ago because we've been married now 12 years. But <laughs> thank you. At the early stages of dating, I always struggled. I was always the first to offer to pay. And, you know, in Africa, we have this whole uh, mentality of the man must take care of the woman. And yes. so if you if you step in to do that, the man might feel emasculated by that action of you offering to pay. So I, I really struggle with that. And I still do. When I go out with friends, I'm always the first to take out my card or take <laughs> out my wallet because... I have it in my head that I have to be self-sufficient and never have to rely on anyone else to pay anything for me. So when you're in a partnership, you need to also consider who the other person is. Absolutely. When yes. people care about you, they want to do things for you. So yes. yeah, sometimes you should, you should do stuff for your husband, but also allow him to take care of you because you, you are his queen, right? And compared, even with my dad, we always say that he's a senior person, but they, they take pride in being able to say they did this for their, for their mm. woman or for their lady and I think we should we put so much pressure on men they need to be taken care of too yeah that's (laughs) true okay as I've listened to you over the last half an hour or so I feel like a lot of women now will be listening to this podcast and start comparing them themselves or start comparing their lives to yours and starting to feel negative about their lives because you are a very disciplined woman and a very accomplished woman and for me I feel women are always comparing ourselves to other people that we hardly know who seem to be achieving so much and then we subconsciously generate negativity that tears us apart inside. In rounding up this conversation, what I want to ask you, Sarah, is what your definition of success is and how have you been able to set your own standards and not be influenced by what everyone else is doing? Success for me is, is equilibrium, is balance. Mm. I did this exercise where I was asked in one of the books I was reading about designing your lifestyles, asked, asked the five people closest to me mm. to describe my life in one word. And all of them said balance or equilibrium. That's what I strive for. So I will plan my week because I don't want to be stressed about what I'm supposed to be doing by the end of the day. Mm. I will pick out my clothes in advance because I want to manage my energy in the morning. I jump out of the shower. It's a quick foundation application, draw on some brows, slip on a dress and I'm out. Equilibrium is important to me. That's why I read a lot, but I also rest and I exercise and I have some fun. But fun is different for everybody. And so that's how I, I, I would define success. When you have relationships that strengthen you, that nourish you, you have a job that you like that allows you to make some money so you can take care of yourself and the people you care about, that you are strong, you are able to bounce back when you when you hit a roadblock, right? No matter how long it takes you to be down, you're still able to bounce back. 
So that for me will, and then of course you have outside interest. You're doing other things that, that nourish you, that replenish your energy. So it's the right kind of relationship. It's outside interest that gives you or fuel your energy. It's having a job or a, not even a job, having some form of enterprise. That's a better way. Enterprise, whether you, you're doing things for your own or you're working for somebody, it's a privilege to have that because that's how you earn some money mm-hmm. or that's how you earn a livelihood to be able to take care of yourself and the people you care about. So that for me, and then across all of this is balance that I can work really, really hard, but I can also jump to Beyonce on the way home or in the movie. <laughs> Whatever it is, have some balance. Have mm-hmm. have relationships that matter. Um, do your job really, really well. Dress nicely. That for me is success. And I know people have different definitions for it, but that would be mine. It would be like four buckets. And across all of this, of those is balance. I'm I'm proud of myself for being a balanced woman. That's what I sort of always wanted to be. My mother was saying to me that when I was younger, as a child, I hardly cried. She would mm-hmm. leave me in a spot. She will come back and I'll still be in the same spot. And she always wondered if there was something wrong with me. But <laughs> I think that I just always sort of paid attention to my surroundings and taking time before I acted. And so it, it comes full circle to the balance component. Wow. We all have different we all have different aspirations for our lives. You know how I said I spent a year trying to understand mm-hmm. the type of woman I wanted. It's yeah. taking work. It didn't all just happen. It's taking listening to people. One other thing I forgot is have I have a group of people that I go to when I have challenges. Because life is hard and I know you behave with different things at different points. So whether it's a loss of a job, it's a hard it's a breakup, it's death, whatever it is. But and we can't plan for everything but you can plan for some of those things. Um so get people there are about seven of them and I chose an odd number so that when they give me advice I can sort of weigh in <laughs> there's seven of them five of them are nothing like me two of them have similar interests I know they can they can see things from my perspective and I go to them with, with um, different challenges and I ask for advice and that's the other thing I've realized people don't get people who advise them for you you're going through life blindly. There are people who've done it already, but the trick here is nurture the relationship before you need the person. Because why, Gloria, think about it. Why will I want to give you advice to help you navigate life and not make the things I need? Like, mm-hmm. not everybody has that inclination. So young people are thinking, but I need a mentor and I reach out to this person and she didn't. People are trying to run their lives. So if you need yeah. someone to help you, give them a reason to want to help you. It's, there's also a sense of entitlement so you're accomplished, so you better, you better coach up or you better mentor mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. I choose to do it right mm-hmm. so I remember the business leader I was trying to put attention I was trying to get to and I tried everything going to her office called her events I was like you know what women like flowers I sent her a fancy bouquet of flowers and I put it in and I was like look I need just 15 minutes of your time these are the things I want you to help me with I've never met this man I know her somebody that you know also I'm, I'm, but that's how I got her attention you need to invest in something to get something don't expect that things are going to come I sent flowers. I put in my phone number, wrote a note on a very nice card, said, look, I need just a few minutes of your time. These are the three areas I want to cover. Within the first five minutes, you think this is a complete waste of your time. I'm happy to leave your office. Mm-hmm. And then I wait. And she called me. And that's how I got, and that's how I, I got my meeting with her. Now she's part of my personal advisory board, for lack of a better expression. Wow. So people, people need to do the work. Don't just expect, right? And so that's how, that's how I will end our conversation. And nobody really has it all. Like, you're going to listen to this podcast and I think oh this woman has it all figured out I struggle that's why I have people like go but I put in these these um, routines so 
general principles in place to help me be my best self. But I struggle and every day I'm trying to figure it out. But we need to spend time thinking about the things we want to get better at, thinking about the things that we want to doing and being and exposing ourselves to people who enrich our lives and, and our vision for our lives if, if we haven't. Mm. But yeah. nobody really has it all figured out. We're all just doing our best. <laughs> doing our we best. We all yeah. are. That I can right. assure you of. I coach a lot of young ladies who are looking to start their own event planning businesses as a result That's of right. Planners Hub, you know, the educational facilities or training facilities that we have. And I have all of these young ladies coming to me really thinking and assuming that I have it all figured out. But a lot of the times I learn a lot from them as much as they learn from me and they don't even know it. Yeah. Wow, Sarah, <laughs> I feel like I could, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Thank you, Sarah. I am so grateful for your time and I can't wait to speak to you again because I feel there is a lot more that I can draw from you. You're the best. Thank you. There you go, guys. I told you Sarah is a cool cat. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know anyone who will benefit from this podcast, please share with them so they can listen too. If you'd like to know more, you can find me on musingsovercoffee.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at musingsoc. I will catch up with you again soon. Until then, keep it real, keep safe, and stay topped up. Bye-bye.